On today's Garnet Community Podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Christoph Villanis, who works at the University of Edinburgh with uh, Justin Goodridge. And we're talking about a paper just published in PLOS Genetics, the title of which is The Domesticated Transposase ALP2 Mediates Formation of a Novel Polycomb Protein Complex by Direct Interaction with MSI1, a Core Subunit of Polycomb Recursive Complex 2. There we go. So a long, a long title. So thanks, thanks very much, Christos, for, for joining us today. So this is a really nice story, and it, and it really nicely leads on from a, a previous paper, a 2015 paper in the, in the Goodridge lab as well. So it would be great if you could give us a bit of background and then say what you did in this paper, please. So thank you very much for the opportunity indeed. So uh, this latest paper of ours, we're very happy to have put together several pieces that broaden our perspective of what appears to be a rather complex jigsaw puzzle um, on the regulation of polycom group complexes. Mm -hmm. Now, polycom group complexes are major regulators in development. They are evolutionary concerned and function via epigenetic marks, such as histone modifications and alternate alterations of chromatin structure. And that way they ensure that gene expression patterns are appropriately tuned spatio-temporally. That is, genes are expressed when and where they should be expressed. Mm -hmm. Now, polycom group complexes come in many flavors, but usually they are multi-subunit complexes with different biochemical functions. And one of the celebrities, so to speak, of polycom group complexes are PRC2, polycomb repressive complex 2, which is a histone methyl transferase. Mm -hmm. Now, back in 2012, a genetic screen was performed to identify suppressors of polycom group mutants. And a protein was then isolated, what's called antagonist of LHP1, because it was the LHP1 mutants that were looked at. Mm -hmm. And it was isolated and was called antagonist of LHP1. And it was also isolated in an independent screen of a suppressor of leaf, which is the catalytic core of PRC2. So uh, some years of investigation followed and ALP1 was intensively in investigated. And in 2015, a paper came out in Postgenetics where it revealed a rather surprising fact that rather than being a usual suspect, for an antagonist of PRC2, mm -hmm. ALP1 instead was a domesticated transposase. Okay. Now, okay. Uh, what, that, that, what this means, so transposable elements are usually considered to be molecular parasites, but there is a growing body of, of evidence that highlight uh, their contribution in evolutionary diversification, because if you think about it, an, an extremely invasive, an extremely aggressive transposable element reduces the fitness of the host and therefore kind of mm -hmm. compromises its own propagation. So rather than a kind of costly arms race, what happens is what I, I tend to think as the equivalent of molecular symbiosis. Basically, it's a mutualistic strategy where uh, the transposable element ensures a low-cost kind of reproduction throughout the generation, but also the host benefits and we have this so-called domestication of transposable mm -hmm. elements, where the transposable element is repurposed. It's kind of uh, be, be acquired with novel functions by the by the host. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. So yeah. a distinct class, now there are many classes of transposable elements, but a distinct class is the harbinger transposons, which are termed also PIF and PONG in, in plants. And they're DNA transposons, and they're modular in structure. So they have two components. One is the DNA binding component, and mm -hmm. the other is the nuclease component. So back then, when we published the uh, one story, it appeared that it's a 
derivative of the nuclease component of an ancient halogen transposon. And it has lost the ability to function as a nuclease, and this, it, it has joined forces with the, with the polycom group machinery. Now, then, the, the, the obvious question by then was being, well, and since then, was that, well, if, if ALP1 is a nuclease component of an ancient halogen, halogen transposon, then what happens with its partner, mm -hmm. the DNA binding uh, component? And well, as it turned out to be, uh, this was also domesticated, and it's ALP2, the protagonist of our, of our paper. Yeah, it's very convenient indeed. ALP2 was actually isolated in the very same genetic screen mm -hmm. as ALP1, and also independently in a HIST2 hybrid screen for interactors of ALP1. Okay. It was investigated, immediately singled out for further investigation, and it was looked into in great, great detail by my co-author in this paper, by Kumi Perera, when doing her PhD. Okay. So she looked into, she, she, she contributed an enormous amount of work in, in, in this direction. But as the project was growing and progressing, more and more people started getting involved. So that now in this paper that we published, on top of the people that were already with us in the Alpine story, we have also Frank Welmer's group from uh, the Smurfit Institute of Genetics in, in Dublin, mm -hmm. and also Philip Voigt has joined us from the Wellcome Trust Centre of Cell Biology in Edinburgh. Uh, that, that really highlights how, how much science has become more and more kind of a collective. Absolutely. So you've given us a fantastic background of, of uh, what leads up to this paper. So now can you take us through what you found in this particular manuscript? The main findings in, 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 our, in our work was that ALP2 acts in the same genetic pathway as ALP1. That is, they both have very mild phenotypes when in the wild type background, but more striking phenotypes in the polycom group mutant mm -hmm. backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Now, the phenotypes of polycom group mutants are usually due to misexpression of va various polycom group targets. Mm -hmm. And it appears that the ALPs, both ALPs, are needed for uh, full misexpression. That is, if the ALP activity is withdrawn, mm -hmm. then the, the mis-expression is, is, is milder. Yeah, okay. Now, ALP2 has diverged a bit more than ALP1. It is a predominantly dis disordered protein, but it's well conserved throughout angiosperms, mm -hmm. and we also find orthologs in conifers and in, in ferns. And phylogenetic analysis also revealed that it forms quite a distinct clade within harbogen transposons, okay. like, distinct from the other hydrogens or even from the domesticated derivatives. Mm -hmm. But it is also, as the ALP1 is unlikely to have a catalytic activity because it has lost a catalytic triad, ALP2 also is rather unlikely to bind DNA because it has lost a very important triad in the mid-domain, the tryptophan triad, to bind onto mm -hmm. okay. DNA. ALP1 and ALP2 interact directly, physically, mm -hmm. as we would expect, since they are derived from the same um, uh, hydrogen transposon, and they interact similarly to how known pink transposases interact with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, also, we know now from the proteomic studies in both ALP1 and ALP2 that the ALP1-2 heterodimer uh, interacts with the, with the polycomb repressive complex too. But in, 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 our group now, in our work now, we showed that it is ALP2 that recruits ALP1 to the PRC2. So mm -hmm. the ALP2 is the bridge, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the anchoring point on the PRC2 complex is the a core component of the complex. It's called MSI1, is multi-copy suppressor of IRA. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and this corresponds to the fact that in the 2015 paper, they just show that ALP1 interacts with the PRC2 in vivo and not in a yeast 2 hybrid or any other method, uh, demonstrating that ALP2 is needed for this interaction, although they didn't know it at the time. And let me follow on from that by by asking about the interaction between ALP1, ALP2 and the PRC2. So you, you show that um, it, this interaction occurs, but it doesn't interact with any of the other accessory proteins which interact with the PRC2, suggesting that there is this ALP1, 2, PRC2 complex which forms, which is distinct from other complexes. So do you have any idea about the uh, specific role of this complex and how that might compare to, to the other complexes? Yeah, so that's that's a recurrent theme, you know, in poly in PRC two research. There are distinct variants mm -hmm. and mutually exclusive components. Okay. Um, we definitely have several working hypotheses as to what may be happening. So mm -hmm. imagine if the Alps bind to the PRC two, there are a number of things that they could be doing. They could be altering specificity. Mm -hmm. They could be altering activity, you know, so all that as a consequence of allosteric changes or changes in kind of three-dimensional kind of mm -hmm. conformation. Um, so it is the biochemical function of the ALP2 of the ALP PRC2 variants is not really uh, clear yet. Okay. It, it, it's not obvious, but we're working to that direction, and then the the kind of prevailing working hypothesis, what we are mostly kind of concerned about is that uh, it is probable that the activity of the PRC2 is influenced or even its specificity. It might be another mark that is deposited. Do you know where um, ALP2 is expressed in the plant? Is it all the way through the plant or specific ALP2, areas? yeah, yeah. ALP2 and ALP1 are expressed throughout uh, okay. the plant. I mean, we have a, we have a figure there showing that it, in, we've checked major organs and tissue types and roots, seedlings, common okay. leaves, rosette leaves, and parentheses. And they, they are expressed ubiquitously as the mm -hmm. major components of so one of the fascinating parts of this paper involves the biochemical function of ALP2. So it's a DNA binding protein that doesn't bind DNA. So are you doing any work now to look if you can work out what the actual biochemical function of this molecule might be? There is ongoing work to be uh, deciphering basically the, what is the biochemical function of the ALPS. So um, okay. we're doing a lot of work in purifying with the baculovirus system in vitro and insect cells. The, mm -hmm full complex with the ALPs included, doing uh, histone methyl transferase assays, where we can check which, like the specificity, the activity, the catalytic activity. Um, we can, there are all sorts of experiments that can be done with antibodies or even mass spec to see what mark is the, the I mean, you can see the methylation, say on histones and then in vitro mm -hmm. histone methyl transferase assay, but you would have to do mass spec to see what, what kind of mark is Yeah, that. yeah, is, absolutely. Is it the, the the mark you expect, or is it a different mark? Mm -hmm. So I would like to, to add something, oh, if I may, please. Of course. Uh, because um, this COVID-19 pandemic can caught us all off guard, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it has severely disturbed research. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of uncertainty, but this nonetheless could not and should not be used as an excuse for lack of decisive action in how science is funded. Mm -hmm. So we nearly need to sit down and discuss what we could change in that mm -hmm. because um, we, I, I personally believe that 
generous extensions to PhD students and to funded projects by the EKRI must be considered. I know this would be too much of a cost maybe, but mm -hmm. I, I can't help but thinking that if this is too costly to be done, then maybe we should start thinking about the paradigm shift on how science is funded in mm -hmm. general. Indeed, food for thought there, that's for sure. Well, thank, yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for your, that input and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today. That's really interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.